morning. The the subject today will be uh, part of our statement of faith. There are copies of it back in the entry, just inside those uh, swinging doors back there. There's a there's a uh, copy of our statement of faith, and some folks in our world would find such things somewhat boring. Uh, the part that I'll, don't, let me just read this third item on the statement of faith that we have here at the chapel, and it reads like this: We believe Jesus Christ is true God and true man having been conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He died on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. Further, he rose bodily from the dead, ascended into heaven where he is at the right hand of God the Father. He is now the head of the church and intercedes for all believers. In the future, he will take the church, both the dead and the living believers, to be with himself. Later, he will come to earth to establish his kingdom. Now, I'm going to speak a little bit on the first part of that, uh, that part of the statement of faith. And uh, before I get to that, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the first part of this uh, statement of faith that ta- talks about the inspiration of God's Word. Uh, last Sunday evening, we had a... a uh, video with with Ray, Ray Vanderlaan and he was uh, talking about the society uh, that was uh, present during uh, during the time of of uh, that he was speaking about there was a uh, it was during the Roman Empire and he talked about the Hellenists and I'm not going to tell you everything because I don't know everything about what they were but his comment was this he said they believed that the source of arriving at truth started with their minds and they arrived at truth that way. And then, of course, the Christian, uh, properly understanding truth, recognized that truth only comes through revelation. I'll give an illustration of what I would say. I've thought about what is it, how does that, how do you explain that? I'll put it this way. Let's, we're going to pick on... Uh, We'll pick on, let's see, who should I pick on? Okay, James, we'll pick on James. <laughs> let's say that I wanted to get outside today, and I wanted to get out there right away. No, And James explains to me, he's already stepped it off, and he says, Ned, if you start here and you go X number of steps, then you take a right, and then you go over X number of steps, take a left, that gets me through the double doors, and then take another right, and pretty soon you'll arrive at a door that will get you right outside. And I say, oh, that sounds pretty complicated to me. I think, I think it would be easier to make a straight line for the outside, so I'm going to step off the platform here and run at top speed, and I'll end up right outside, just outside the south side of this building. Okay, uh, do what you think is right, I guess. Okay, we will call James' instruction 
truth by revelation. He already knows how to get from here to there, and he's told me, if you want to get there, this is how you get there. And I say, hey, your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth. You believe what you want, but I believe I'll get there running at top speed that way. That would be disastrous, because that wall, I think, is actually a solid wall. <laughs> I wouldn't even make it into the nursery. Okay. Now, that sounds bizarre and crazy, but that's the world we live in. There are some things that are true. People want to know things are true. In a movie I saw once, there was a guy and his sister in this movie. It's been quite a few years ago. And the guy had either just been divorced or lost a, a loved one. And the sister recognized that he was uh, struggling. And so she calls for a minister to come see him and to help him out. So the minister comes to his house and he suggests uh, finding himself a uh, church to attend and some of the programs they had there. And he says to the guy, uh, try these out and then let, let, let me know how you feel afterwards. See if it hasn't, hasn't improved your life. And the guy says something very clearly to the minister. He says, wait a minute. I don't want to go there just because it's how, about how I feel. I want to only want to go there and believe these things if they're true. Many people today don't care or don't seem to care whether things are true or not if it makes them feel better. And that's why it's so important to have a statement of faith that follows the scripture. The scripture is very much, and what we learn in the scripture is very dependent upon this first part of the statement of faith. The word of God is God-breathed. That means it's spoken directly from God, and it's truthful. And uh, even this one that I'm going to talk about, Jesus Christ being true, true God and true man, the only reason we can believe that is because it's true, because God tells us it's true, and we have uh, these things told us in the Scripture. Let's pray, and then we'll get into some of the specifics. Father, we're thankful that we have your word that verifies the truth of the statements there. We are thankful for the Lord Jesus, who uh, spoke of himself as the truth, the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to you except through Jesus. We're thankful that we can depend on your word. We can depend on the Lord Jesus, and that in truth we can uh, understand uh, we have eternal life in Christ. We ask that you would guide us today, for we ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Another uh, thing that I got thinking about as I got was preparing this message, which I had, I had a significant difficulty in preparing this message because the messages I usually preach would be from a passage rather than uh, something so 
sort of academic, I guess, as this statement. And so I thought of a character that Kemp already knows, <laughs> the, the one character I was talking about. Uh, how many of you know who Joe Friday is? <laughs> okay, a few of us. How many of you know who Dr. Spock is? <laughs> there, are some more, there are more Dr. Spock people. Both, they have some, these two guys, characters have something in common. And Joe Friday made a, used to say he'd go to a crime scene and they'd start filling him in on the, just the facts. Just the facts. Well, there, it's hard to stay with just the facts. But there are facts, which means there are truth. There's truth that must be uh, addressed in uh, these statements. Either if they're, if they're not true, if these statements of the, on our statement of faith are not true based on the scriptures, then I just will fold this book here up and uh, take it home and never open it again. Because if this is not truth, there is no truth for, for me, and, I, and I'm lost. I've got nothing uh, but what I think is truth, as a lot of our people in this world are in that uh, situation. And of course, that first one comes from the truth being God breathed, uh, comes from 2 Timothy 3.16, for all scriptures given by inspiration of God. Uh, I was thinking of, of uh, several things that was supportive of, of the uh, truth of scripture. End of God, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18, uh, God talks about the covenant, well, the author of Hebrews talks about the covenant that God made with Abraham, an agreement with Abraham, and it says, because he could, by, could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, and one of the things that was mentioned there is it says that there were, that God was... Uh, there were some things that were immutable, unchangeable. And it mentions that because uh, God who cannot lie. Anything God says is truthful. Absolutely truthful. God does not lie. John 17 and 17, uh, Jesus said this in his prayer to the Father about his disciples. He wanted his disciples to be set apart for God's work. And he said, he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Okay, so you want to know what's, what the truth is? Here's a good place to start. Okay, true God. And let me mention something before I get much further. Much of my understanding and help in this topic came from a book that I've got at home, which I haven't looked at closely enough as I ought. And it's called uh, Charles Ryrie's Basic Theology. I would recommend it as a good book uh, 
to look at these things because it's not uh, filled with words that are not uh, easy to understand like hypostatic union. Um, you'd have to ask Alex about words like that. But it, has, it does actually have a glossary in the back that defines some of these terms. But it does, uh, instead of uh, having to pick up a little bit here and a little bit there through the scriptures of these different topics, it says, uh, there is a whole chapter, it says, the uh, incarnation, the deity of Jesus, the humanity of Jesus, and so it's got verses and it's got uh, explanations. It's a very good book to uh, get some basic understanding of these topics. I would recommend it highly. Okay. All right. Jesus, true God. Jesus possesses the attributes of God. Uh, John 8 and verse 53 through 58 uh, we'll just look there for just a minute. It's a very interesting thing that he says here uh, that he, the scribes and Pharisees have come to him uh, questioning uh, who he is. And let me just start with verse 53. And this is what they said to Jesus. Are you greater than our father Abraham who is dead? And the prophets are dead. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your, your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and said, and, and he was glad. Then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? And here's the statement. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. It doesn't say, he did not say, before Abraham was, I was. He says, before Abraham was, I am. He's making a claim here that only God could make. And there is a difference, of course, between pre-existence and uh, eternality, meaning uh, Jesus, there are some false faiths that will uh, surrender to the idea that Jesus pre-existed but not that he was uh, God. They say he uh, existed before us, but that he was a creation of God and that he was just a, uh, uh, a creation rather than God himself. But, God, but Jesus claimed to be God. Uh, and that is one of the main passages that refers, that would indicate that John 17 and verse 5 again Jesus prayer to uh, his father John 17 and verse 
John 17 and verse 5. It's known as the high priestly prayer, praying for his uh, looking forward to the cross. 17 and verse 5, he says, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Before the world was, Jesus and the Father uh, shared glory. Okay. Here's a, and uh, there are other attributes of God that Jesus, only God has these attributes, but Jesus has these same attributes. And here's one that's sort of surprising to me, and we have used it oftentimes when we meet here in this place. In Matthew 18, 20, Jesus said, Behold, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. We will call that omnipresent being everywhere present. God is everywhere present. Uh, Jesus, in his time on earth, uh, was not everywhere present. He was, uh, when Lazarus was dying, Jesus wasn't there. He was somewhere else. But it says in this verse in Matthew 18, 20, that where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Uh, we, we've come together. Has anybody, anybody here seen Jesus this morning? <laughs> is, he in the, is he in the fireside room? Or is he here? Okay. Now, there, you have to get a little, be a little careful of how you use this, this because there are some faiths, some what you would call even Christian faiths, that... Uh, We'll say, use this verse and say that Jesus uh, is uh, bodily present, and, as, and in that way, he can be uh, actual, it can be actual Jesus in the bread and the wine that we use for the remembrance service. That it's actually Jesus' body and Jesus' blood. And, that's how, and they could get that out of this verse, that, that, that is... According to our statement of faith, that is not the proper view. But I do believe that as we've met together, Jesus is here. That's an attribute of God. Omnipotence is another uh, attribute of God that Jesus possessed. That means all-powerful. Matthew 28, 18 Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority has been given to me. Jesus performed the works that only God can do. Remember the man that was, that was let down through the roof in front of Jesus? And Jesus said, you're healed. No, he didn't say that at first, did he? He said, your sins are forgiven you. And all those, and the Pharisees in the back of the room were going, okay, <laughs> this guy can't be, can't be the Messiah because he's doing something that only God can do, forgive sins. Only God can do that. And Jesus said, knew their thoughts, and he said, okay, 
He said, just so you know that I have the authority to forgive sins, he said to the man, get up and walk. He had the authority to forgive sins. He has the power to resurrect. You know the story of Lazarus. Only God... Uh, now, there are instances where other beings used God's power to raise people from the dead, but only God has the power of resurrection and uh, even self-resurrection. Jesus said, I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. Um Another instance, let's just look at these verses. In John chapter 6, these are uh, because they're relevant to you and me. John chapter 6. And I'll just read this one verse. Well, let, let's start with uh, 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And here's the statement. And I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus has promised, I will raise him at the last day. That, who's included that in those to be raised? That's you and I, if we're believers, uh, can depend on that. John 10 and verse 30. Let's just turn over to that. And this one. Now, some people will say, oh, he really didn't claim to be God. Verse 30 of John chapter 10. I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good works I have shown you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself God. When Jesus said, I and my Father are one, he didn't mean that we agree on almost everything. He was saying that he was God. And uh, the Jews understood that, because when he said that he was God, uh, they uh, decided it was time to stone the man. Jesus' humanity. Jesus claimed to be human. John chapter 8. Let's just go there for a couple verses. Verses 38 to 40 in John chapter 8. Jesus said in verse 38, I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man, 
who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. Jesus said, calls himself a man. Uh, another term that he used for himself more than eight times was he called himself the son of man. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8, you already know this passage. Uh, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Hebrews 2, verses 14 and 15. And let's just go there for... I think we've had this recently because Alex is going through the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, as Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. Jesus also experienced uh, human characteristics. Let me stop for a minute here about, uh, be sure that we understand the fact that Jesus was completely a human being, a full human being, and he was also fully God. Uh, there wasn't some uh, strange um, encounter ahead of his incarnation where God the Father and God the Son get together and say, and they say, okay, Jesus, you're going to go down here and uh, go to the cross and accomplish redemption. And, and so you've got to be, become a man. And, they, and so we're going to take two cups of God and put it in here. We're going to put two cups of human being in here. And this mix of characteristics, uh, that's what you're going to be, Jesus. And you can't be fully God and fully man at the same time. Actually, yes. Fully God, fully man, one person. Okay. Jesus, here's a passage I like to, to uh, cite when it comes to uh, Jesus, not only as, as a human, but the fact that he actually uh, was erect, resurrected physically. It wasn't as some movies would show you, where after the crucifixion that there's this sort of this sort of a shiny spirit that comes up out of the ground, and it's Jesus' resurrection. It's not really... Jesus himself in person, it's just a essence and a sort of like people thinking of how they live on in their children or in some mystic way. Jesus actually resurrected bodily. Uh, in Luke chapter 24 and verse 29, Jesus had appeared to his disciples and he said, Behold my hands and my feet that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bone 
as you see I have. Okay. Jesus also experienced human characteristics. Hunger. After the 40-day temptation in the wilderness, it says, when the temptation over, it says Jesus was hungry. John chapter 4, meeting with the Samaritan woman. Uh, Before he met with the Samaritan woman, he stopped by this well. His disciples went into town, and he sat by the well because he was weary with the journey. He experienced compassion. That's a human trait. Jesus, he saw the 5,000, and it said he had compassion on them. God has compassion also, but Jesus had compassion. That's also a human trait. He had sorrow. Remember uh, the situation with Lazarus? He died, and uh, it wasn't just a show that Jesus was putting on. It says Jesus wept. I don't know if he was weeping for Lazarus. He was weeping for the unbelief of those that... uh, were there uh, finding it difficult to accept that, that Lazarus had died. And Jesus experienced thirst on the cross. He said, I thirst. All human uh, experiences. He also had a human genealogy. If you read the genealogies, he was... And he's referred to several places in Scripture as the son of David. He was the son of Mary, born of Mary, uh, born of a woman, born under the law. Uh, And I'd like to turn to a couple uh, passages that actually predicted the Messiah coming and being a human. Uh, Isaiah chapter 7 I've been cheating on, on how to get to these passages because I write down the uh, page number in my Bible. So if I tell you page number 919, unless you have a King James Version Bible like mine, you're going to end up in the wrong passage. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. And they were, this man was testing God, but in 7 and 14 it says... Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall, and shall call his name Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Turn over just a page to Isaiah chapter 9. Actually, if you had a Schofield Bible like mine, with, with uh, uh, there's a page in between. And it talks about the names and titles and offices of Christ. And it's actually two pages. Two pages of the names and titles of Christ. Very interesting. But anyway, uh, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. And you, we've all heard this. We hear this uh, during Christmas programs, that Christmas time on the radio and television. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, 
and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The same person, a child, a son, that speaks of his humanity. But then it goes on to say, he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. This is the same person that was born a child is also the mighty God, the everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Only Jesus could be that personage. Okay, Romans chapter 1. Familiar passage, I'm sure, but we just read over it oftentimes. Romans chapter 1. First few verses of Romans chapter 1. The Apostle Paul is saying this. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, apostle, separated to the gospel of God, the good news of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, Talking about his humanity, he was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, or to, according to the spirit of holiness. And then it talks about something else, about Jesus. By the resurrection from the dead. Talks about his humanity here. Talks about his deity here, the Son of God. And it talks about his resurrection here. Okay, Romans 3, uh, and I might not, well, let, let's go there. Romans chapter 3, very, also a very familiar passage. I'll just read 21 through 26. Now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood. Uh, I guess what I'm wanting to say here, and I'll try to say it clearly, is it's important that we understand uh, why is it, what difference does it make if Jesus is fully God and fully man? What difference does it make? Well, this is a key, key difference right here. If Jesus was not totally human, this would be a lie. God could not have sent uh, Jesus to be the propitiation by his blood. Jesus' sacrifice could not have satisfied God's wrath. If Jesus was not uh, a fit sacrifice, he had to be uh, the perfect human without sin that he might be uh, a sacrifice for sin. Romans 5, and I read this in our earlier uh, 
service. Talked about Christ dying for the ungodly. Romans 8 and verse 3, it tells us that Jesus Christ, and he's the only one that could do it. Verse 3, it says, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Only Jesus could do that. And now I will just give you some, if you want to write them down, you can. If you don't want to write them down, I can give them to you later. Uh, and th I, I actually gained this knowledge uh, in such an easy form from my Ryrie uh, basic theology book. Talks about uh, Jesus Christ. And these are passages that deal with uh, some of the, the uh, things that we've talked about. His eternality, that's John 8 and verse 58, when Jesus said, uh, Before Abraham was, I am. His virgin birth, Matthew 1 and verse 23. Also Luke 1 and verse 35. His incarnation, and this is from a passage which we could have read, and many of you uh, find this a favorite passage in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1 and 14 talks about His incarnation, and He became flesh and dwelt among us. And of course, the uh, passage in Philippians 2, verses 7 and 8. His humanity, Luke 2 and verse 52 Galatians 4 and verse 4, 1 Timothy 2 and verse 5, uh, where the Apostle Paul says, there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, affirming his humanity. Uh, his deity, of course, John 1, 1, John 10 and verse 30, his resurrection, Matthew 28 and verse 6, the fact that it was a bodily resurrection, I mentioned that when uh, in, in Luke chapter 24. His ascension, and I would like to go to that. Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. I'm messing up because I didn't get write the page number down. Acts comes before Romans, right? Okay. Acts chapter 1. Verses 9 through 11. Now when he had spoken these things, this is Jesus, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you, have, as you saw him go into heaven. Uh, 
a promise of a returning Jesus. Um, and all this uh, is absolutely worthless if God doesn't tell the truth. If God, if the scripture is not God-breathed, if God is able to lie, then all this stuff we've talked about means nothing. You just will go home and break out a bottle of Crown Royal. And <laughs> anyway. But I am thankful that I'll just quote a th as we're done, but I, I'll quote just a, a line from a, a uh, song that is very meaningful to me anyway, as a lot of songs are. Uh, and the line goes, goes like this. The work which his goodness began. This is number two in the black book if you want to look up the song, but it's uh, the work which his goodness began, the arm of his strength, will complete uh, the arm of his strength I think that could be a reference to Jesus the arm of his strength will complete and there's another line in that song that says, his promise is yea and amen and never was forfeited yet things future nor things that are now not all things below or above can make him his purpose forego or sever my soul from his love. Uh, I guess the only other comment I would make is make sure, dear audience member, that you know this one who is the God-man, not just as a person that's written about in the scriptures, but as one who is willing to save to the uttermost, completely those that come to God through him. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity of opening your word. We know that there's a lot more in this uh, topic than just these few verses that we've shared. But we're thankful that Jesus uh, saw the need that we had, came willingly to die at Calvary for sinners that we might be uh, raised with him to walk with him, and to eventually uh, end up in your presence rejoicing together. Bless our day, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And just so you know, Alex will go on with the end. I didn't finish much of that uh, third item. He goes on to, to talk about, in one of his uh, future messages, all the great benefits that come from the fact that uh, Jesus ascends to heaven but he hasn't stopped doing stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Alex will be filling in on some of the stuff he's doing now and will do. Here's a, here's a further little announcement here. You, you, explain, you explain it. Okay. Alex is going to explain something here. Really quick, really quick. The book, sorry, the book, goodness gracious, the book that was mentioned by Ned, the Charles Ryrie book, 
I have a number of copies of those. If you want one, I will set them on the back and you are free to grab one. Okay, that's it.